Let's, let's, play, let's pray together. Father, thank you for the hope that you have given. Thank you, God, for becoming man. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing us. Thank you for the season when we get to celebrate your coming. Thank you that hope has come. And because you have come, we can now live hopeful. We can be helpful. Our lives can be significant and eternally meaningful. May we today be, be mindful of the fact that hope has come to serve. And as we reflect on our own lives in light of the truth of your word, may we be challenged to leave this place and to live out the destiny for which you have saved us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we are beginning today a four-week journey to Christmas. And if you're not careful, you may fall into the familiarity trap. And it's one that, that I often find myself in. Having studied the scriptures for a few years now, there are certain texts that I think I've pretty much got down. And the Christmas text happens to be one of those that if you're not careful, you might get to the point where you think, I got it. I saw the Charlie Brown Christmas special, right? Linus said it. I learned it. I know it. Let's move on. Let's get the Christmas. Let's get some turkey. And let's get on with the new year. But if we did that, we would, we would miss a significant aspect of, of what God is saying through these texts. Over the next few weeks, we are going to look at the Song of Mary. We're going to look at this Old Covenant song. And, and it is an Old Covenant song. Now, I know it's in the New Testament, but don't forget, when Mary sang this song, she was under the Old Covenant, along with all the world. And so we read it as a New Testament reality when it's not a New Covenant reality. She's still speaking from an Old Testament world. She's still speaking from the, the, the desire of a hope that was yet to come. See, we now, we look back on the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus as something in the past. The song that we're going to study for the next few weeks is looking forward to the reality of the Messiah, of who he is and what he's going to do. And so as we read Mary's song, let's be mindful that the, the reality that goes around it and, and what was going on in her life. And let's not miss the majestic mystery of the reality of the presence of God to move and to make us new and to bring life where there was death to, be, to bring joy where there was misery and to bring peace where there was one discord. And so be ready. I'll be honest with you. I've been surprised every service today that I have preached the way I've preached. Uh, the first two sermons have been very, very different. Same text, same points. Um, each one really different. So I don't know what you're about to get. So be ready for just about anything. But if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. And uh, the Keltners are going to come. If you guys would, they're going to provide our reading for today. Uh, they're going to read the whole section. We're going to do that each week. We're going we're to read the entire song itself. And then I'm going to come back and, and preach through a section of it. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word. We're in Luke chapter 1. Ben, if you would, uh, introduce your family to us real quick. Good morning, church. My name is Ben Keltner, and this is my wife, Beth, and our two children, uh, Leah and Landry. 
And so if you would read for us now, this is uh, Luke 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generations to generations. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. The word of God. Thank you, Ben. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Now, let's be mindful of, of what's happening here. Mary realizes that she has now been caught dead in the middle of the story of God. That what is happening is so huge and so significant, it is blowing her mind. Let's not forget that this story that, that we read about, this Bible, is a single story. The Bible is not a collection of sayings or stories. It is a single story that that has a single hero, Jesus Christ, God in flesh. Now, we know that the Bible is divided in four sections. We know there's creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. And we know that in creation, God made all things to be in harmony. You and I were made to live in harmony, in complete peace with all things. You say, how do you know that? And I say, I'll tell you how I know. Every time something wicked or bad happens, happens in me or in the world, I'm miserable and I'm unhappy about it. I say, that's wrong. Why do I do that? Why do we do that? I'll tell you why. It's because we were made to live in a world where there was complete harmony. We were made to have peace within, peace with God and peace with others. But that's not the case. This world is not as it should be. And the reason why, it's not because God messed up, it's because we did. Because sin has entered the world and so there's a fall. But God, in his amazing grace, did not abandon us in our sin. As a matter of fact, the very day we sinned against God, he made a promise. He said to Satan, there will be one, there will be one, an individual, a man, who will come and crush your stinking head. He didn't say stinking, but I added that in there because it is, it's terrible. And, and, he's, and so he, he made this promise. And so if, if you can, imagine reading the Bible for the first time. Has there ever been a movie that you loved or a show that you loved and you thought, I wish I could watch this completely again as though I've never seen it. Some, you know, some of you would love to be able to do that with Star Wars. You would love right now to watch all of the episodes leading up to this latest one that's coming out. And, and just so you could experience it fresh and new, not knowing that, that, that um, spoiler alert, Luke, right? His dad's Darth Vader, right? Asher and I watched it this week, so I can share that with you now. It's really cool, though. He looked at me and he said, Dad, if you were my dad and you were Darth Vader, I'd still, I'd go with you. We'd go to the dark side. <laughs> That's love and commitment right there. That's love and commitment. I appreciate that. So here, imagine if you can't, you're reading the story for the first time. All right, and so there's this promise. There's one who's coming who's going to crush Satan's stinking head. But then the next people who show up are sinful. And they're not much better than Satan. 
They're sinning as well. And then God chooses in Genesis 12, Abraham. And he says, okay, Abraham, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. And then you realize, well, he's not the hero because it's going to happen through him. And he's a liar. And then there's Isaac. And then there's Jacob. And Jacob's very name means swindler. But then Jacob, the, the grandson of Abraham, is dying in Egypt. And he says something spectacular. He says, okay, Judah, his one of his sons, the scepter will never leave your family. What is he saying? Out of the line of Judah, there will be a king. And that king will be the one. And so they begin to look through, as you're reading through the story, you're looking for the king. Who's the king from the line of Judah? Finally, David shows up. You think, ah, here's the king. He can kill giants. This is the one. And then you realize he's a murderer. He's an adulterer. He's a liar. He's not the one. But then there is a promise made to him. There's a promise from a prophet that says, David, from your line, there will come a man and he will reign forever and ever in holiness and righteousness. So then again, here it is. Here's the promise. There's going to be one that comes. And so you start, we start looking at all the ones who come from the line of David. And there are these kings that come and some are good, but most of them are not. And as a matter of fact, they get so bad that God completely destroys the nation. He sends his own people into exile and it appears as though the Davidic line has been lost and destroyed, but it wasn't. Even in exile, God kept his promise. After 72 years, God brings his people back. They build the second temple. And so there is this hope that this Messiah is going to come. And then there's 400 years of silence. No word from heaven. No prophet. No prophecy. Silence. And yet the world continued to to move on. Israel continued to be Israel. God's people sat there waiting under first the leadership of the Persians, then the Greeks, then the Ptolemies, then the Seleucids, then then even their own people. And then then finally the, the Romans take over and they put up Herod as this puppet king, if you will. Rome's already taxing them. He's taxing them. The religious world is completely messed up because the Essenes don't like the Pharisees. Pharisees don't like the Sadducees. And there's all kinds of confusion about who should be in authority. And so you got this high priest who's supposed to be a spiritual leader, who's become a political leader. And in this darkness and in all this chaos, God shows up in the middle of nowhere to a nobody and says, Greetings to you who are highly favored. And when Mary heard those words, it freaked her out. And and you can understand why. If you've got your Bible still open to Luke 1, I hope you do. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at this saying. And and, and then she said, you know, to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? This, This is a miracle. The incarnation is crazy. God is becoming flesh. And it's not like this, this Greco-Roman pagan junk. Listen, when you read these, these who want to say, oh, there's always been these religions where there was said to be a God that became flesh. Nothing like this. Because in, in all that carnality, there was always some divinity that would, that would molest some poor girl that would create this. Make no mistake, this is, this is holy. This is beautiful. This is divine. She's a virgin and God moves on her and there's a virgin birth. She's still a virgin. This is pure. This is holy. This is righteous. God became flesh in the womb of a virgin. And this little girl, scared to death, says, I'm your servant. 
Now we hear that because we're familiar with the story. We have no idea how tough that was. Let's not forget, she's a teenage girl in a legalistic world. Coming home pregnant would get you killed and stoned to death in that world. It says that Roman, that in, in Matthew that, that thankfully Joseph was a man of, of, of high character and did not turn her over. But let's not for a minute get this Christmas card feeling that Mary was just elated that she was going to be going home and telling mom and dad, hey, I'm pregnant and no, I'm not married. Let's not forget that they didn't have a, a big feast and, and Mary's parents say, hey, everybody, Mary's pregnant, but don't worry because she says it's God's, right? That makes perfect sense. She's scared to death. Her parents are freaking out. But when the angel appeared to her, he not only told her what was going to happen in her life, he also said, by the way, you're not alone in this. See, when God works, he works in ways in which we find encouragement from others in the way in which he's at work in their life. And so he says to her, your, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, she is pregnant. And she's going to have a child. And this one is going to be, is going to be a, again, another miracle that's a part of the plan of God. And so Mary goes to Elizabeth. And, and there, this miracle happens in that when, when Mary, when Elizabeth hears Mary's voice, John the Baptist, that's who she was pregnant with. She was pregnant with the last Old Covenant prophet. Don't forget this now. John is the last Old Covenant prophet. He is the, the prophet Elijah in spirit. He is the one who was to come and to prepare the way of the Lord. And so when he hears the voice of Mary, it says that he leaps in his mother's womb and is excited because he has come in contact with the divine one that God has chosen to bring the salvation of the world through. And so it is here that, that Mary, having heard this from Elizabeth, she begins to sing the song that we just heard read. Now, did she make it up on the spot? Maybe. But probably it was a family song. It was probably a well-known song that many sang. It, it, it has features of it from, uh, from Hannah's song in 1 Samuel when she found out she was pregnant. It has features of Psalm 98, which is a song that, that the people of God would sing in the hopes of the coming Messiah. It could have been one that she made up right on the spot. But again, Luke is a historian. And as, and as someone who wrote years after the event, this song was carried on. And it, and it was something that the people knew. And so what we have here is a song that Mary sings in this moment where the world is in complete darkness. There's complete chaos. She's a nobody in the, in the middle of nowhere. And God has come to her in this moment uh, when she wants to just live a normal life. And he has interrupted her and he has said to her, now is the time for the Messiah to come and God has chosen you to be his mother. And in that moment, Mary did something significant. She did something that most of us don't do. She said, okay, God, no matter what it costs me, I'll obey you. And she served God with a merry heart. And what we can see in the text today is how it is we can serve with a merry heart. How it is we can understand what a privilege it is 
to serve the living God. The same way Mary was able and willing to serve the living God. Let's not forget, Mary's life was going down a certain trajectory. But once she received Jesus Christ into her life, everything in her life changed. And you need to understand that God wants Christ to live in you as well. And he wants to give you a whole new life. Once Jesus entered into her life, she had a whole new life. If you have not accepted Christ, Christ wants to enter your life and he wants to change your life and he wants to make it what God made it, built you, created you to be. You have a destiny. You'll never discover it and you'll never fulfill it without Jesus. Mary had a destiny. It required her to trust God. She had to receive Christ into her life. And then she had to serve a purpose and she did it with a merry heart. And God calls us to do the same. And we see it in a song and we can see it in our text today. What does this look like? Three things I wanted you to notice. First of all, we can serve with a merry heart when we are, and this only happens when we're this way, when we are amazed by the greatness and the kindness of God. We're amazed. Look what it says in verse 46 and 47. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. When God is your savior, you can't help but rejoice in him. You can't help but be amazed by him. Listen, if your soul is not amazed by God, you can know that you are, you're possibly either soul sick or you're lost. If you're lost, it means you have no savior, so you're not amazed with God. If you are a Christian, but you're not amazed with God, it's because you have allowed something to settle into your heart that's become more important to you than God. And so it's making your soul sick because the only thing that can make your soul satisfied is Christ alone. And if you are seeking to get satisfied by anything but Jesus Christ first in your life, your soul will be sick and you won't be amazed by God. But when you see God for who he is and what he's done for you, you will be amazed. Show me a person who has been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and I'll show you an amazed person because I don't know what your testimony is and I don't need to know it, but here's what I can know. If you're saved today, you know you don't deserve it, that you deserve to be alienated from God. You deserve to be punished for your sin, but by the grace of God, you know that you have been forgiven because of the death of Jesus and because he is alive, you are alive in him and you have an eternal home with God in heaven and through this life, he will never leave you or for forsake you and everything that happens is according to a plan that he is fulfilling for his glory and your blessing. And when you know that, you're amazed. And if you're not amazed today, you've missed something. You've missed something significant and you need to recover that. You need to be reminded what a miracle it is that God loves you and that his grace is amazing and that his kindness is overwhelming and because of who he is and what he's done, you can't help but magnify him. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. There was an amazement there. Second note, we can serve with a merry heart when we are burdened by the depths of the world's need. Our world is so broken. Mary's world was so broken. You see it in the entirety of the song. You see in verse 47, Mary and the whole world is in, in a humble estate. You see in verse 51, there's injustice. You see in verse 51, there's deception. You see in verse 52, there's helplessness. You see in verse 53, there is longing. Our world is broken. There's darkness and there's sin and there's pain. But God has not abandoned us in that. 
He has come to rescue us. And having rescued us, he is calling us to see the need of the world and then to go and to make a difference. A difference that is eternal, not just temporal. Because let me tell you what a lot of folks are doing, and it's so easy to fall into this, is we want to medicate our pain. And a lot of people do that with Christmas. They, they, they start listening to sentimental Christmas. Christmas music and they love to go to the mall and hear all the glad tidings of getting with family and being with friends and hopefully it'll be a white Christmas and we're going to have all this packaging but back in the back of our, back of our minds where the whole time we're thinking yeah but at some point we got to take those lights down and then they're going to go back in the box and then we're going to have those gifts and sooner or later they're going to get broken or they're going to go out of style or we're just going to take them back or we're just going to hide them pretend no one gave us that tie and right it's just going to be there And then it all goes back to the curb and we have this sense of reality that we know no matter how much fun we have over the next few weeks, this too will pass and it won't meet the eternal need of our soul. That's what people, that's what what happens with drugs, that's what happens with purchases, that's what happens for many with Christmas is it becomes this quick fix, a facade of happiness to try to get us through. But that's not what God has brought. God has come to give hope, a living hope, an eternal joy, an everlasting peace. And that only comes through Christ. And so what we see around us today, and and maybe what is sitting here right now, is someone who says, I'm in darkness. I am in pain. I know what I put on Facebook. I know what I put on Instagram. I know what I want everyone to see. But what's going on out here is not what's happening in here. There's a loneliness and there's a need for love. Our world needs it. Listen, I knew it as a pagan. I can remember uh, some of my friends and we were hoodlums. We were bad and we got in trouble. And to make up for it, we were required to go through a neighborhood and carol and sing Christmas songs and take up money to give to the homeless. And the whole time I was thinking, this is crazy. When we show up to people's houses, they're not going to give us money because they're going to think we're going to steal it, right? They're probably going to call the police when we show up. This is not good. But we did it. And we sang these songs that I didn't believe. And the craziest thing happened inside of my black ridiculously angry heart. I saw people that I'd seen before, but I really saw them. Here we are singing about Emmanuel, God with us, the Savior being born, that there's light and life to all he brings, that there's hope and there's joy and there's peace. And we're singing, I don't believe any of this, but we're singing this and we, we see people. And I saw people, I saw, I saw a widow I'd never seen before. I saw him. And the loneliness and the the life that that, that was happening. And I I saw a young couple and their need for resources. And I saw a young family who was beginning to experience some of the joys of life. And I saw empty nesters. And I saw uh, some single adults who were trying to figure out, you know, what what they were supposed to be doing with their lives. And I saw their life. And what was so crazy is as we were singing these songs, I saw them do something they'd never done to me before. They smiled. And I thought, that's weird. That feels kind of like good. And it seems like they're doing better because of something that's happened and I'm doing better because of something that's happened. I don't really know what to do with this. You know, there's something inside of us 
who've been made in the image of God, that we know we were meant to invade darkness and bring light. Advertisers even know it, and they're marketing on it right now. But some of it is so good. Like, for instance, watch this one. This one is from Toys R Us. So good. There's something inside of us that makes you go, yeah. Yeah. Listen, all around us, there are people who they put on this face of, I'm miserable, don't talk to me. There are those who make it easy not to talk to them because they're so mean or, or they're so distant, and they're so cold. We need love the most. And it's not about throwing up a Christmas tree and that being reciprocated with gifts. It's bigger. In every person's life, there is a need for eternal love and joy and peace. And that only comes when you anchor your life and hope in Jesus. And so here we are, most of us in this room, Christians. And where we live, where we work, where we go to school, where we play, there are people who need the love that we know. And we're hiding it. And because they put on this facade of don't talk to me, don't get near me, we go about our, our, our life and we miss an opportunity. Guys, I want to beg you during this Christmas season not to miss the opportunities right there where you are. You say, what, what am I supposed to do? Lead them to anchor their life in hope in Jesus. Don't come to church by yourself next week. Bring someone with you so that they can t- taste and see that the Lord is good. Let them experience the love of this family. Let them hear the gospel. Make sure they hear it from you first, but then make sure that they come and they hear us sing of the, the Christ who is born. Make sure that they get to hear the, the fact that they are dearly loved no matter what they've done and that God has a plan. And realize, friends, that is not, that is not a burden that's a blessing for you and me. It's an honor. One of the things that keeps us from serving with a merry heart is that we don't get what an honor that is. Write it down. We can serve with a merry heart when we are honored to bear and deliver the king's hope. It says in verse 49, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. It is a great thing to get to serve God. Now again, let's not forget, Mary wasn't skipping through the, va- the, the village there in Nazareth going, Hey everybody, guess who's pregnant? Hey mom and dad. I'm not married. Everybody get your rocks. We're going to have a party. Are you kidding? Mary came in overwhelmed. But God was there. And here's the thing. If you're going to serve God, if you're going to make a difference in the life of somebody else, You're going to feel overwhelmed at times. You're going to feel uncomfortable at times. There will be moments of awkwardness. Love them and serve anyway because it's a privilege. And in the reality is, 
you're actually finding your own life. Look what Buechner said real quick. Guys, put up that, yeah. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. This is what God is doing. He's taking the longing of our life to make a significant impact in the lives of others and their desperate need and he's bringing them together. And when that happens, it is there that we find life. Remember what Jesus said? When is it that we find our life? For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. It's when we give our lives to serve the glory of God. It's when we get outside of our comfort and say, no matter how they treat me, no matter how they look at me, no matter what they say about me, behind my back to my face, I'm going to serve God. Mary and her family had to deal with that. They had to deal with the rolling eyes. They had to deal with the laughter. They had to deal with the mocking. They had to deal with people looking down on them. Listen, if you're going to serve God, here's what you need to expect. People rolling their eyes at you. People making a joke out of your faith. People dismissing what you believe. Love them and serve them anyway. Because you never know when some ridiculous hoodlum is going to hear the gospel and get saved and become some pastor in Bowling Green, Kentucky because of the grace of God. Who is it that God is calling you to serve? And what kind of heart will you serve with? With a merry heart? The only way you can is if you've trusted Christ. See, Mary had to, to allow Jesus into her life. And when she did, it changed everything. Some of you are trying to figure out life on your own and it will never make sense until Jesus is in your life. And the only way he becomes a part of your life is when you acknowledge that you've sinned and turn your back on him and ask him to forgive you and to come into your life and take over. Some of you have done that. But if you're honest... You're not amazed by it anymore. And you need a miracle of renewal. And that happens through prayer. It happens by looking at life from the perspective of the reality of the truth of God's word. And it happens, don't miss this, by us stepping out of the comfort of our regular world where we think we're in control, where we're the people that like us and that we like, It's when we step out and we choose to love the unlovable and invite them in and serve them that they might see what God is doing in the world and invite them to be a part of it. Now, that's gonna require a miracle for some of you, but guess what? That's what our God does. He does miracles. What is impossible with man is possible with who? And so if we'll ask him, he can do great things but we gotta ask him. You gotta ask him to save you. You gotta ask him to change you. And you gotta ask him to use you. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, thank you for the life of Mary. Thank you for her faith. And thank you, Lord God, that the faith that saved her is the faith that saves us. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's faith in your purpose, your eternal purpose to bring about redemption into this lost world. 
We know that from the rescue, there will be restoration one day. But until that time, we are called to be a part of your miraculous work of bringing light where there's darkness. Father, give us the faith to do that. Some today need to come and receive you by faith. Some need to come and recommit themselves to you by faith. And some need to ask you to do a miracle by faith, whatever it is. So Lord God, you know the need, you know the heart, you know the life of every person who's here. We're all here by the guiding hand of God. And so Lord, we now sing to you and there's some who need to come and pray to you. And I pray that you will hear them for your glory and their blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.